Hey, all you hot messes. I, if you are, if you're watching this, I'm, I'm in a blazer. Okay. This is, you're like, wait, I thought this, this was the hot mess teacher express. No, this is the put together teacher express. It's actually a jet and we're flying high. No, just kidding. This is still the hot mess teacher express. I just put on a blazer to make me look and feel like I have my life together because I definitely don't and that's okay. These are some crazy times, and we've got a lot going on in the world. Someone knock on wood. I will knock on this fake plastic wood table. But I feel like we might be putting pandemic teaching behind us for now. Okay, well, while COVID is still here and ever reaching, especially during this season, I feel like we are kind of standing in the aftermath of the disaster that was. COVID of 2020. Our personal lives don't look the same and and our, our teaching jobs definitely do not look the same. The amount of teachers that are leaving the profession because it does not look the same, it's, it's pretty evident that the pandemic teaching has changed a lot. I don't know that we'll ever get back to the way that it was before. I think too much has happened. And in this post-disaster education zone that we're all standing in, the, the disaster has some, has some final shots. These last few years have been really, have been really, really hard to, to say the least. And these last few years have also taken a toll on, on dividing people politically, mentally, socially, religiously, morally, and in all the different ways, Lee. The students in our classroom are two or three years, I guess, now older and have more needs than ever. And that's not a surprising fact. I don't know why that's that's a surprising fact to everyone, but somehow these educational deficiencies are being blamed on the lack of time or educational focus by, by the educators. And... And that's ridiculous. In my home state of New Hampshire, a recent bill came into legislation that makes changes to what are the required core knowledge subjects in public schools. And basically, from, from what I understand, this bill changes the state definition of an adequate, quote unquote, adequate education. And it puts an emphasis on English, science, math, and, and social studies. And it loosens a lot of the requirements for the other subjects, including foreign languages, arts, and computer science. And it's directing school districts to integrate those subjects into the applied instruction. Okay. This bill's primary sponsor said that the bill would help schools focus on subjects that many students are not mastering. He wanted to point to their ever 
their ever-loving foundation of all of their facts, those statewide assessments, which show a declining proficiency in core subjects, particularly during the pandemic. Well, duh. Basically, this bill is making it easier to not fund for certain subjects, meaning schools would have the option to cut those programs entirely because there's no funding. And I have a huge, huge, huge problem with that. If we take away our health, world languages, physical education, engineering, com computer science, and, and di digital literacy, and we label them as not being part of an adequate education, I'm, I'm really, it still baffles my mind that what we think an adequate edu, okay, like, yeah, what, what do we think an adequate education is? Adequate education. If I asked, if you asked this question out on the streets, like Billy Eichner style, you would get so many different answers. School and, and education is different to so many different people. Should you be able to read and write and, and do basic mathematical equations? Yeah, but my adequate, again, quote unquote, adequate education is going to be different from my baby brother's adequate education. It's also very different from the representatives that are making this bill. One of the reasons that the representatives of this bill said that they were proposing it was because of the statewide assessments, which show declining proficiency in core subjects, particularly during the pandemic. Why, why, is, this, why is this a shock to anyone? What, I think everyone declined in proficiency during the pandemic. Statewide assessments went down because we were in a pandemic and teachers and administrations were trying to put together their educational classrooms totally online and some overnight. Some of you remember that phone call or that email in March when you got that phone call and said like, hey, listen, you're not coming back into the school building. Like we're, we're totally staying at home. Everyone stay at home. Like, and then you had to figure out somehow by that Monday, to totally change your classroom and put it into an online setting. Something that we hadn't really needed to think about before. And so these kids, these students, you can tell me that you thought that these students were going to show growth during this time. Like no one, no one can say that. I think everyone was totally surviving at that point. They were these kids were in a totally new learning environment and a totally different setting at their houses with people screaming, with mom and dad working and, you know, with their baby brothers and sisters. Like, it was a madhouse. They were trying to figure out the problems of the world while being at home watching their, their parents or their guardians worry over grandparents. And then being at home, the place that is usually their place to sleep, eat, and play, now ha they have to make their home their school as well? Don't even get me started on the students that don't even have supportive home lives to begin with. 
these students last out on so, so much more than their core education. Are they behind? Yeah, we're seeing that in classrooms all around America now. Some of you are teaching third graders who were kindergartners when this happened. But putting more of the core content time into the day because you're taking away art is not the way to do it. At, at a certain point, the brain can only handle so much information and practice. If, if people were actually in a classroom and understood the way that children learn, they, they, they would know that. The, our students' brains need a chance to take a break change lanes, maybe do something creative or stimulating or something that they're passionate about. But, you know, what do I know? I've actually been in a classroom and, and taught during a pandemic. <laughs> this idea that we need to take art out of schools or the unified arts out of school is so dangerous. <laughs> and I'll give you a few examples as to why. Even though you can probably come up with a million on your own. <laughs> My baby brother, he is not, he's not a baby anymore. He's, he's in his 20s, but he is the most helpful human being I've ever met in my life. And his brain works totally different from mine. He loves like being logical and he loves rules. He needs rules. And that's why he struggled a lot during classes like his English literature class. Like, struggled. My mom actually homeschooled him because he struggled so much. And if you if you gave him an abstract prompt for him to write like a three-page response to, he would absolutely crumble. He needed structure. He needed to know. And you guys have these these students in your classes. They need to know what exactly you you want on that paper and what what kind of response are you looking for if you told them to write a three-page open response it's it's going to be a disaster for them he needed to know that there was only one right answer and in english classes there's there's a lot of different answers as long as you're supported by uh, textual evidence and not everyone's going to have the same textual evidence like it it was really hard for him. And that's why he felt like he was so good. And he is really good at math in school. He felt comfortable there. So during high school, he was able to go into classes that allowed him to get his hands on an experience with working with cars, HVAC, and, and plumbing. And this boy is thriving. He is currently working in the HVAC field and is making way more than I ever did as a teacher and has absolutely no debt. And he loves it. He found his passion and his place because of the experience in high school that they offered those types of different experiences to, to students. If my brother had had to sit in on, on multiple English classes, having things that he wasn't interested in crammed down his face, he, he might not be the successful human that, that he is. Another example that I have is from a student in my classroom a few years ago. 
They were very different and mature, way more mature than anyone else in the classroom. In fact, they were the student that I heard, you better watch out with that one. Oh, you have them? Their attitude is going to drive you nuts. Oh, this, this is a very low achieving student. I couldn't get them to do anything. <laughs> and, and you know those meetings at the end of the year when you're going over your class list for the next year and those comments come up. I don't know why, but I always saw it as a challenge to, to, to make those students my own. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, the first couple of weeks with this student were rough as, as we got to know each other. But, but we, we built a relationship and they began to trust me, but they were, they were constantly, I mean, constantly drawing or doodling, like could not do their work so they could doodle or draw. And, and I struggled with how to handle that at first. And, and I'll admit that I actually, at the, at the time and that year I had whiteboard tables so every every kid's desk was a whiteboard and and they that thing <laughs> that desk would be covered by the end of the day with all of their doodles. And it was a little distracting, but I, I had a realization. This student loved art. Lived and breathed everything art. Like you could look at this student and know that they were going to they were going to go into some sort of artistic endeavor as as a growing human. When I started to look at the whiteboard table at the end of the day as not a smattering of distraction, but I looked at it in this more magical way, okay? This student would be constantly drawing roses or anime characters or or their moods. And art was the way that they shared their emotions. They were an amazing student, but they just needed the chance to shine in ways that represented them. And thankfully in our school, we had an amazing art teacher. Our art teacher at our school was absolutely one of the best most beautiful, light, bright humans that I've ever met in my life. She is a qualified art teacher that taught these kids so much more than what I could in applied instruction. This student and our art teacher were a match. She taught my student ways to do things or new ways to work with different medias. Art was her way to transition out of the things that, that, that they didn't want to be doing in my classroom. It was their therapy, their safe place, and, and a total break. And the student felt all of the emotions of those around them, and it, it would not be <laughs> a secret where, where they were mentally and emotionally that day when they walked in the door. And when they walked in the door, as I was usually still crazy prepping for the day and writing our schedule on the board, they would ask, what, what special do we have today? If it was art, this student would light up with every kind of happiness. It, it was where they shine. And I could not bring that joy to art because I don't have the same joy in art that, that our art teacher brought to them. 
And don't all kids deserve that in an adequate education, a place to shine? Isn't that our jobs as educators to make sure that we are looking at a student as a whole and not just as like their core academic achievements or their standardized test score? This bill and so many like it across the United States are taking away our ability to be teachers. I didn't become a teacher because I have an immense need and calling to teach algebra, okay? I, I'm not passionate about that or that I love reading over five paragraph essays on the same novel I read in middle school. I became a teacher because I believe that every child deserves an education in which they find a place to shine, to succeed, where someone believes in their abilities outside of the numbers or data. Children are not to be defined by test scores. I don't want to be defined by test scores. They are all so uniquely different with so many different backgrounds and, and, and passions and interests and abilities. And coming out of a pandemic, these kids, their classrooms, they need time to adjust. And cutting music, the physical education, computer sciences, the things that were cut while we were teaching remotely just to feed them more math and ELA and science, that's not the answer. Education is an apple. If you offered that to someone, they would be like, sure, that, that looks great. I'll at least eat some of it. And you know when you eat around the apple and leave the bite marks down to the core and it, and it goes all the way down to the middle, okay? That, that is an adequate education. They're trying to hand that to schools. It, it's got the core. The core is essential to it being an apple. But there's so much more to an apple and to education than the core. If you are teaching a unified arts, thank you. Thank you for everything that you are doing to contribute to the whole student. I could absolutely never bring the the intense passion that that you do to your field you see these kids in ways that i never will and you will teach them some of them so much more than i ever will and i am so so sorry and annoyed and disgusted that legislators and school boards and districts are not seeing the full picture and the value that you bring to schools and students. I see you in this big picture and and I just want to take this episode to say thank you for what you are doing every single day.